You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. everyone and welcome to the health hub i'm kathy biasa your host and along with alex diaz our producer and the rest of the people at radio maria canada a great big thank you for tuning in with us our show today has been pre-recorded so no opportunity for calling in but for any follow-up or questions you can certainly reach us through our social sites we are on instagram twitter and facebook and we are at the health hub rmc on those locations or do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca we would love for you to subscribe to our podcast we are the health hub on itunes soundcloud spotify and all of your favorite podcast platforms and you can also find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and on my website, which is kathybiasse.com. Today's guest is Ashok Gupta. Um, he is an internationally renowned speaker, filmmaker, and health practitioner who has dedicated his life to supporting people through chronic illness and achieving their potential. Ashok himself suffered from ME or chronic fatigue syndrome about 25 years ago when he was studying at Cambridge University through neurological research that he conducted. He managed to get himself 100% better. He then set up a clinic to treat others and then published the well-known recovery program known as the Gupta program in 2007. He has published several medical papers and is continually researching these conditions. In 2017, Ashok published a popular 4.7 star rated app called The Meaning of Life Experiment, a 30-day program of videos and meditations to discover more happiness, meaning, and to uncover your life purpose. I love this conversation. I love the premise of the Gupta program. It brings together many, many aspects of health that sometimes go un- under-treated, under um, cultivated, I guess, within the area of health. And, I, and it's something that I really do find uh, is so very important for a complete holistic or a complete health uh, profile is to incorporate holistic approaches, support the mind. And, and this is all about what um, the Gupta program is, this and, and so much more that we'll, that we'll talk about. Some of the things that we do learn, uh, obviously, what the Gupta program is, uh, some of the conditions that the Gupta program targets, and the research, some research that um, is supporting the tenets of the Gupta program. A very uh, lovely conversation we have with Ashok, and it's a wonderful program, something, as I, as I just mentioned, I find 
quite lacking when we're caught when we're looking for a complete health picture. So I do hope you stay tuned with us and uh, we'll be back in a couple of minutes to talk with Asha Gupta. You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As I mentioned, today's show is being recorded. No opportunity for calling in. And we'd love for you to follow us on our social sites. We are on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at the Health Hub RMC on all three locations. Ashok, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Thank you for inviting me. Wonderful to be with you. You have a wonderful story, um, uh, which we're going to hear about now, uh, what you're doing for the world and and giving people hope that have really, um, you know, have not had so much hope with some of, you know, uh, chronic fatigue and so forth. I think it's a it's a brilliant thing that you're doing. And, you know, just ahead of everything, thank you for doing that. But um, let's get to it. Tell us about how you you came to be in this space of, of, of helping people. Yes, uh, and I always start all those years ago when I first had the illness myself. So I suffered from ME and chronic fatigue syndrome many years ago at university. And like many of us in this health field, we're in it because we had a personal experience and challenges we went through. And I remember in my darkest moments, you know, I had such severe fatigue. I had to you know, crawl to the bathroom. You know, it was such a horrible time. And I said to myself, if I get myself better from this, you know, if I figure out anything that can even help, I will dedicate my life to helping people with this because it's such a difficult experience to go through. And from then on, I researched a lot of uh, brain neurology, uh, the neurology of emotion, physiology, and all the background to chronic fatigue syndrome. And I felt I had figured out what was causing it in the brain and the body. And therefore, I then published a medical paper on it and then went on to set up a clinic to treat others with a condition. And during that time, I managed to get myself 100% better. And using these ad hoc brain retraining techniques, neuroplasticity techniques, and then, as I said, set up the clinic to treat others. And then you suddenly realize, ah, it's not so simple as what I did for myself, because each person is unique and complex. But I then spent many years refining those techniques to get to a stage where I felt they helped most people most of the time. Is your background in medicine or in health? It isn't, no. So I'm self-taught in terms of the health side. And luckily these days with the internet, we're able to really research all the latest medical papers which are available. And for me, it was about coming at medicine, but from a different angle. So actually, if I was trained in mainstream medicine, perhaps I wouldn't have you know, come up with this hypothesis because I would have been trained to think in a certain way. But I was thinking at it actually from a... You know, actually, my undergrad was in economics, which is, I guess you'd call a social science. But there's lots of parallels between the human mind and psychology and economics. Because in economics, you talk about cycles, you talk about uh, conditioning effects in terms of habits that uh, different organizations and institutions and individuals get into. So there's definitely some parallels that I could mm-hmm. I could pick up on. Now, you, just quickly doubling back there, you said you had chronic fatigue and ME. Now, what is ME? So ME stands for myalgic encephalophthalmitis, and that was the original name given, especially in Europe and the UK, to this unknown condition which prevalence at the time in the 80s and 90s, and that 
that was the name that um, got applied to it. And the US meant more for chronic fatigue syndrome. And there's a lot of controversy as to whether they're exactly the same thing. And I believe they're a scale. Uh, where you may have more of the severe ME at one end and chronic fatigue syndrome at the other. So now the nomenclature has has moved towards ME forward slash CFS as the condition that people uh, treat. The the acronym ME, um, I was just going to ask you, when you decided to try and take a hold of your own health and you decided to dive into the research, the, the the terminology for your disease, chronic fatigue, might not lead you down the research path of brain health. However, ME does, right, in the name? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I think so. So I think ME has been associated more as a neurological condition than CFS. But the fact is that no illness can be classed as not neurological or neurological. Uh, we have a whole nervous system and body that is interlinked, interwoven, the idea of holistic bodies, holistic health. And therefore, it's very difficult to differentiate uh, these types of conditions. It's funny because, you know, I've, I've interviewed um, doctors and, and uh, alternative and complementary practitioners in the area of brain health. And it's we've come such a long way in talking about integrating brain with the rest of the body, whereas probably when you were researching about this, uh, what was north of, of the shoulders was very much different from the body. This integration of of mind with health probably was a new frontier when you started down this path of of trying to figure out the connections between what you were going through and brain health. Absolutely. In fact, researchers would literally laugh at my hypothesis, right? Because it it was too much of a step to say that this brain that we have, this black box, which is very difficult to peer into and have a look at, could be the root cause of these types of illnesses. And that is how medicine has evolved, that medicine has been the measurement of that which can be observed and identified. And in those days, you know, in the 80s and 90s, there wasn't a lot of uh, sophisticated brain scanning that was going on. That's pretty much been the last 20 years or so. And therefore, we become much more aware of how the brain impacts on the physical body, how emotions impact on the brain and its health. And I think in terms of brain health, there are two aspects. The first aspect is what helps our brain function at its optimum level. And we might then cite things like meditation and exercise, which help our brain at an overall level. And then there's a second aspect, which I call neuroplasticity or brain retraining, which is how can we specifically retrain the brain when the brain gets stuck in old patterns of respond, responding to the environment and responding to the world around us? So I see those as two areas of, I suppose, brain science that can influence our physical health. So what is your hypothesis then? What is the underlying hypothesis of the Gupta program? So I'd like to start explaining this hypothesis with the biggest idea of all, uh, which is why are we here? <laughs> so if we start with a, you know, the really big this question. This show may not be long enough. <laughs> I know. We may need several uh, shows for that. So we could answer that question from a philosophical perspective. You know, the biggest question, what is the meaning of life? Why are we here? Or we could also answer it uh, in a more reductionist way in terms of from a scientific perspective, why are we here? We're here because over millions of years of evolution, this nervous system, this immune system has evolved to help us adapt and survive in the environments that we live in. Yep, through from you know plants, through to microscopic organisms, through to uh, you know 
invertebrates and vertebrates, mammals, etc. There's been a whole chain of adaptations that have occurred. You know, someone said we actually share the same DNA. We share, we, we share 50% of the same DNA as a banana, right? So there's so many different types of organisms have evolved to get us to where we are right now. Yeah. And so we have evolved to adapt and survive. Now, let's take the example of ME chronic fatigue syndrome. Let's say you're fighting off flu, for instance. You're fighting off this flu virus. And as we know from uh, a lot of research, and obviously now with COVID-19, we're much more aware of it. Many people pass away from flu each year. So as far as the body's concerned, it is life-threatening. Yep. And let's say we just about overcome the flu, or perhaps we go back to work too quickly, or we, we've already exhausted and strained. The whole system is exhausted. It's been overstimulated physically, mentally, emotionally. We're chronically stressed. And the brain goes into what we call this hyper-response uh, syndrome, where even once the original virus is gone, the brain has suddenly experienced some kind of physiological trauma, which is the brain then decides from now on, we are going to err on the side of caution and keep overstimulating the immune system and nervous system just to make sure that that virus doesn't come back and cause us problems because we only just managed to survive. Yeah? Does that make sense? So we are survival machines. The brain will prioritize survival over any other activity. It doesn't so care the about brain will feel. be using cues of your illness in future to protect you in case this comes back around. Exactly. And these are called conditioned stimuli. Now, what that means is any neutral stimulus that was in the environment when you were unwell, that can re-stimulate this hyper response. Mm -hmm. yeah. So as an example, in the period of time that a person was convalescing from flu, if they were, let's say, uh, pushing themselves too hard on a laptop and working really hard, and then in the future, even though the virus is gone, working and getting stressed out on a laptop can re-stimulate the immune system and nervous system, creating exactly those symptoms which the brain is responding to. So we get in a vicious cycle. So there can be external stimuli and then there can be internal stimuli. So the symptoms in the body itself, pain, fatigue, all the symptoms we know from chronic fatigue syndrome, they become conditioned stimuli which tells the brain that we're still in danger from the virus. The brain then overstimulates and over-responds and once again, triggers these defensive responses, causing the symptoms in the body. Those symptoms then double back to a hypersensitive, hypervigilant brain. And when the brain and the body get caught in a vicious cycle. And that is our hypothesis for so many different conditions like MECFS, fibromyalgia, long COVID, mold illness. All of these illnesses are an over-response of the brain to an otherwise neutral stimulus. So you're so taking the, yeah. you're taking the fear response, which we know has stimuli trauma, which we know can be triggered by events and certain stimuli. So that's a given. We know this. You're taking that um, research in the trauma field and you're applying it to various disease types. And yes, and I'd say that we would. We use the word trauma because that's what we understand in the mainstream uh, mm -hmm. kind of medical profession, which we're used to. But actually, we associate trauma with psychological experiences. But the brain does not differentiate between psychological, biological, immunological threats. 
the brain sees threats to survival as one incoming stimulus and then chooses the appropriate response. So is the appropriate response a psychological response, in which case there'll be stimulus of anxiety? Is the appropriate response a biological response, in which case there'll be a triggering of the immune system? Uh, do you see? So actually, the idea that trauma just belongs in the psychological space is, is um, I think, is is how we've traditionally seen it. Mm -hmm. But now we're saying it's not just trauma, it's actually uh, heightened, conditioned, resp protective responses to a threatening environment. And they so can be across it, it was a limited view, and you're now applying it into the disease mm. space, which just, to me, makes absolute sense with all of the research that is now pouring in about the connections between the brain and health. I mean, the gut-brain connection must have been a great yahoo for you when um, it finally became a, a, an established principle. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that is another example of a vicious cycle that can occur. So stress uh, then changes the composition of your gut bacteria, as we know, and other, other changes that can occur. Uh, that then feeds back to the brain and can cause changes in neurotransmitters, which then can cause more anxiety and depression and mood disorders, which then influence back on the gut. And then you can see a, a, another vicious cycle, mm -hmm. which is a subset of the vicious cycles that we see in ME and chronic fatigue syndrome. So what pops up in, in my brain um, is we're talking about um, perhaps this idea of hormones being impacted because the neurotransmitters um, and if the neurotransmitters are not being produced properly or in the right um, distribution or amount, this can be impactful on health. And, and also this idea of neuroplasticity, which I, I would love for you to kind of explain to everybody. Uh, yes, of course. So traditionally in medicine, we have gone down the road of thinking that things that we can measure implies causality. So I can measure hormones, I can measure transmitters, neurotransmitters. They aren't at the correct levels. Therefore, that must be the cause of this particular condition, right? And the brain was a bit of a black box. We didn't really understand it. And what I'm saying in these illnesses is that if we go upstream and we get to the core uh, conditioning that occurs in the brain, the neurotransmitters and the hormones are downstream effects of that core neurological uh, dysfunction. And when we correct that, they will go back to their balancing states. And yes, we do know that in, in these conditions, different neurotransmitters, uh, different other kind of chemicals in the brain, like oxytocin, serotonin, endorphins, dopamine, they are all highly disrupted. And the reason they're disrupted is because and the hormones in the body is because our bodies are not designed for these chronic responses. We're designed to have a threat, deal with that threat, whether it be a virus, bacteria, you know, a wild animal. We deal with a threat and the system goes back to homeostasis. But because of the modern stressful environment that we live in and that over inflammatory environment because of the pollutants and pollutants in the physical environment, our nervous system and immune system become primed to over respond because they're in a state of readiness to over respond because they're already being triggered by our polluted environment and i in the pollution i talk about emotional pollution physical pollution you know chemical pollution so that's why it's we now live in an era where our brains are more prone to having these over responses to the environment so then you're trying to Okay, if we go back a little bit in the conversation, is what you're trying to do uh, in your program, rewiring the brain and this idea of neuroplasticity feeds right into that process? 
Yes. So neuroplasticity is the idea that we used to think the brain was fixed. You know, once you get to 10, 12 years old or as a a late teenager, your brain was pretty much fixed, your personality was fixed, your body was fixed, and nothing could be changed. And then in the last 20 years or so, we've realized from neuroplasticity research that the brain is constantly changing, constantly rewiring itself. And that's very empowering because what it means is any habits that we get stuck in, any ways of thinking that we think are habitual, and then also any habitual responses from our brain in terms of our physiology, they can be changed, they can be rewired. That's where neuroplasticity comes in. And we say that, okay, as a result of going through that intense flu virus, as an example, the brain got stuck to over-respond. And we can now recognize that process in the brain and rewire it using novel brain retraining techniques that otherwise we we wouldn't have been able to access the unconscious brain. Interesting. Um, so we're talking about we're talking about the brain. We're talking about it stimulating the immune system and so forth. So we're we're talking about an expansive amount of of disease that you can impact with your program. Am, am I right about that? Because we're talking about an immune system flare up. Uh, you know, that's that's really when we talk about hyperactivity of the immune system and chronic stress. This has filters out to many many disease. Yes, it's interesting you say that because we started off treating ME and chronic fatigue syndrome, but the list of illnesses that we've started treating keeps expanding because we have the feedback from patients telling us, look, actually, uh, you know, I had an autoimmune disease or I had Lyme and that actually improved using this program. And of course, for us, we're, we're very careful to say We've done some initial research on MECFS and fibromyalgia, and we're looking to do other uh, pieces of research and randomized control trials in other areas. But certainly, many autoimmune conditions, many conditions where the body seems to be stuck in chronic disease, we believe can be treated during, using our program and using neuroplasticity techniques. And we believe it is a third branch of medicine, a new branch of medicine which will evolve over the next 10 years or so, where most illnesses that's come into a doctor's surgery can't be treated with drugs. All we're doing is uh, masking the symptoms. But actually, if we can get to the core root as to why these illnesses exist, then this whole new branch of medicine can open up and we can get to the core root of chronic illness. Would you say that your program is designed to work in tandem with medical professionals or is this uh, its own method of, of care? We definitely like to work in a collaborative environment. So we don't say to anybody, look, you must abandon everything else and only do our program. So many of our patients continue with nutritional advice, supplements, uh, medicines they need to continue to take, as long as those things aren't making somebody worse. So that's our criteria. You know, as long as you're taking things, they seem to be helping or the neutral effect, that's okay. But if something's making you worse, then you need to pull back from that because you won't know what the effect uh, the Gupta program is having. And so we work collaboratively with many functional and integrative doctors. Uh, many general practitioners are prescribing our program. And we hope that with larger randomized controlled trials, we can start making this a more mainstream treatment. It's fascinating. It's fascinating work. Everyone, we're going to take a quick break here and we're going to come back and we're going to dive a little bit, uh, well, a lot deeper into the GUPTA program. So stick with us. We'll be back in a couple of minutes. You are listening to The Health Hub here on Radio Maria Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, 
email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. We are talking with Ashok Gupta, and we're talking about his program called, quite aptly named, the Gupta Program. Um, and I think, you know, the first half of the show, Ashok, we really laid the foundation of how your program has come together. Now, you've pieced together your research uh, on the brain, and, and I'm sure you, you've expanded out farther in, in the research that you've done. And pulled this together, worked with your own experience and clients, and made this program. Now, have you had any research on the program and its success with any of your clients and patients? Uh, Yes. So, for us, it's very important that we show the effect of of this to the mainstream medical profession. Yeah. And go down the mainstream scientific route. So, research is incredibly important. And... So we've done several studies. So the first study that we did was a clinical audit of my patients. So that didn't have a control group. And that was on around 30 patients following them for a year. And we found that after a year, two thirds of patients made an 80 to 100 percent recovery and 90 percent of patients made some kind of improvement, uh, which was a great result. And that was a published study. Then we did a very small scale randomized control trial with a Mayo Clinic in the early, uh, I think it was 2011 that was published. And then we've and, and that was uh, that showed a positive result for MECFS and fibromyalgia, but had a very high dropout rate, simply because the Mayo Clinic administered our treatment instead of us administering ourselves, and we believe that that really didn't it it wasn't uh, congruent for the client. So then we just finished a uh, an RCT that was published late last year in 2020, and that was on patients with fibromyalgia. And that showed that compared to a control group, there was a 40% drop, uh, close to a 40% drop in fibromyalgia scores in the active Gupta program group compared to the control. The control had zero effect. And there was a halving of pain, a halving of anxiety and depression, and a 50% increase in perceived health. Okay, so, and this was simply an eight-week intervention. Now, our program is generally a six-month intervention. So, to get that kind of result within eight weeks was was actually great. And so that's a published study that was published in the Journal of Clinical Medicine. And that was on about 42 patients or so. And obviously now what we're looking to do is larger scale randomized control trials. So we are working with several organizations around the world to, to make that happen. But um, I'm sure Kathy, as you know yourself, to actually get research funding for something which is off the beaten track is incredibly difficult. And we've that's why it's taken so many years for us to, to get these studies. But once you do get them, then it start sparking the interest of many doctors, especially because they find it very difficult to treat these conditions. And, and, and mm-hmm. so do many complementary and alternative practitioners that we work with, because they're often able to help someone in the short term. But then as soon as someone experiences stress in their lives, uh, you know, practitioners find all the symptoms come flooding back again. So people are looking for something that can support healing in addition to some of the traditional methods of treating these illnesses. Well, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, they've only, correct me if I'm wrong, they've only recently been pulled out of the area of a psychological illness into a, a physical illness. That's right. So, unfortunately, in the 80s and 90s, they were very much seen as, you know, psychological responses or deconditioning effects, which is very unfair to these mm-hmm. patients. And now, 
because of all the research that's been done, we know there's so many physiological shifts in the body that definitely these are real physical illnesses. These aren't psychological illnesses. They're not the patient's fault and they occur in the unconscious brain. But we figured out, you know, these specialized ways of being able to access the unconscious brain that otherwise would not be accessible. You know, <laughs> none of us can say to our brain, hey, switch off the immune system, right? That's not something uh, that, that's possible. But, you know, hopefully these, these are some novel ways that it can be done. So is hitting pay dirt for you, getting accepted in the medical field, that this is a viable uh, program that can be used in many areas of illness? You know, I, you know my areas in, in cancer care and just having a mindful approach to treatment, having someone more in control of their thoughts and the, um, you know, reworking the trauma. I can see a great place for that in something as serious as cancer. Yes, and many patients have found, um, this is anecdotal, obviously, but mm-hmm. secondary illnesses like MS and, and cancer have also been improved using our program. And the reason we believe this is, is because it, we talk about the body being in its optimal healing state. Yeah. So many of the time, because of our modern living, our, our mind, our emotions, our lack of exercise, our bad diets, we're not putting our body in the best position to deal with uh, illness yeah, and deal with challenges. So our program is a holistic program that operates at all of those different levels and says, if we can put the body in its optimal healing state, then it is in its own, it is its own best healer, right? And many of us know that many illnesses that we're treating, it's not the uh, external drugs or whatever that are necessarily doing the work. It's our own body's ability to fight off illness. And so if we can put the body in that best position, it can be its own best healer in many cases. And at the very and, uh, least, you're positioning the body to respond well to, yes. to therapies and treatments. Exactly right. Exactly right. So we have to strengthen our own bodies. We've grown up in an environment and in a uh, societal system where we simply wait for something to go wrong with the body. And then we take drugs or surgery or you know chemotherapy to then heal it. Yeah, but actually, all we're doing is that's and I'm sure Kathy, you're, you're you know you talk about this in your previous uh, podcast. It's a sickness industry. It is breeding people to get sick and then spending a huge amount of money fixing the problem. Whereas actually, the body is supposed to be its own best healer. If we put it in its best optimal state, then we're going to reduce the load on medical facilities. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of this, Kathy. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there was a 2015 study uh, by Harvard. They followed 5,000 people over the space of two to three years. And they followed them for a year in terms of how many visits to the doctor or hospital. Then they taught them meditation and uh, relaxation techniques to practice for 20 minutes a day. And then they followed them for another year. And there was a 42% drop in their usage of medical facilities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if that was a drug that some drug company came up with, you know, reduce across the board, 42% drop in usage of medical facilities, that would be literally the miracle drug of the 21st century. Nothing would even compete with that. And yet it's available for us free every day and can put us in, in that best optimal state. So that's just a, one small example of when we take care of ourselves, the body can then take care of many different um, external challenges. I just see it as a great primer for someone who is who has got 
an issue, a disease, an illness. This is, uh, you know, such a key piece. I'm a huge proponent of this. Can you give me some of the, an idea of some of the modalities that you use within your program, how long the program is? Sure. So the program is a six month holistic program. The core of it is the brain retraining. So we talk about three R's of the Gupta program. Number one is retraining the brain. And that's the core unique aspects of it. So those are techniques that people practice every day and also throughout the day, very short techniques that can fit around a normal lifestyle. The second R of the Gupta program is relaxing the nervous system. And that is all about uh, there's breathing, there's meditation, a holistic, healthy diet or anti-inflammatory diet, good sleep regime to really boost the immune system, getting out into nature, uh, even things like you know, sunbathing, exposing yourself to sun and all of these good things that can improve health and being in nature. So that's the second R of the Gupta program. And the third R of the Gupta program is re-engaging with joy. So many times when people go through chronic illness, and, and Kathy, I'd love to you know, hear your experiences with cancer patients. So many times when we have chronic illness, we feel like we're not allowed to be happy and joyful anymore until we've fixed it, yeah? until we've got back to normal. And therefore, people forget to, to laugh, to socialize, to enjoy the things in life and, and find what brings them joy. And yet those things are so important for boosting our immune system and keeping us healthy, you know, keeping that optimistic, uplifted mindset. So we work a lot with patients to help them recognize what brings them joy and how they can uh, nurture that within their lifestyles. Absolutely. One of the one of the key things that I uh, profess to people that I'm working with, you know, I'm, I'm you know focused in the nutrition space, but obviously I do uh, lifestyle and so forth. But food isn't just an instrument to heal. It's an important part of what food is, but it needs to bring you joy. It should be a place where you sit, you recall memories, you enjoy a meal with your family. It should be an unstressful event. And that's in the, I, I mm. absolutely believe that we need to find joy, especially through illness. I a hundred percent believer in that. It's profound. Mm. The effect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've all heard of Patch Adams and how he uses the power of laughter in hospitals, mm-hmm. especially with cancer patients to improve health outcomes. And it's something that needs to be literally a prescription. And, and in the UK, they're beginning to do that. So if someone comes with anxiety or depression, they will give them a prescription to join a walking club or uh, go out in nature or actually take up a hobby. Mm-hmm. And they're finding that far more powerful than giving people antidepressants, right? So these things are beginning to, to come into the mainstream uh, mm-hmm. systems. I believe they are. Now, can your program be, be used preventatively or is this um, something that only people that are suffering um, can use? I mean, generally, it is a program that people come to once they've actually got some kind of illness, but certainly it could be used in a preventative sense because it incorporates all the key modalities to keep one healthy. And one aspect of this is that we do, many patients with anxiety use our program and there isn't anyone on this planet who hasn't got, you know, who doesn't worry in some shape or form, right? That is a default state of the mind. So even using our program for mild to moderate anxiety, worrying, you know, for that kind of person, even that can be incredibly powerful to recognize the mind, recognize how it impacts on our health and our bodies, retrain it and get to a new way of being, a new state of being. And obviously there's all the, the breathing and meditation to support that as well. So it can be used by, uh, you know, 
in it's, so it's many contexts. I see such a, you know, with things that are going on here in, in Ontario and just, you know, I have four kids and anxiety about going away to school and becoming an adult. I just see such a place for that, teaching them how to uh, deal with stress when it comes up, how to rewire things, how to, I just see, you know, as young adults transition from from living at home with their parents to being out in the world, that seems to be such a dramatic space for a lot of people now. Um, I, I see a beautiful fit there. Now, who are your practitioners? So our program, when someone first comes to it, they can go through the videos online. Right, So it's an online program and people can consume the videos, the audios, and we have weekly webinars with myself. So it's all kind of self-learning online. And in addition to that, we have 30 uh, coaches around the world who can support people through that process and they can work one on one with people. And our coaches have all been professionally trained by our team. They've gone through a two year training program to know how to support patients using the Gupta program. And they are based all over the world, but they generally work through Skype and and through Zoom. But what's really easy for people is our program is convenient and can be accessed wherever you are in the world. And it's a six month program. Is it a weekly idea or go at your own pace? How is it uh, distributed? We go, people go at their own pace. So they have access to the 15 interactive videos and all the audios. And, you know, many patients might be even working full time right through to people who are bed bound. (laughs) So wherever people are along that scale, they can use it according to their ability. And then the weekly webinars, people, I, I give people support in terms of what they can do each week, but some people keep up with that pace and some people uh, don't. So it's very much self-administered. But we also recognize that people, some people, they need to work with somebody right from the get-go. And that's why they have the opportunity to work with our coaches who can support them through that process. Amazing. Do you have um, any success stories that you are in- incredibly moved by that you can tell us about? Yes. I mean, you know, I remember there was a guy from New Zealand and he was in his 80s, right? And, you know, of course, once we're at our 80s, it's very difficult to differentiate what might be the normal aging process versus, you know, symptoms of chronic fatigue syndrome and fibromyalgia. But he knew that he had both of those conditions. He'd had it for 30 years, so three decades, you know, you know, big chunk of his life he'd been suffering. And he was in his 80s. And I remember how incredible it was that he used our program and got better, got himself up to what he perceived was 90% health, but obviously he was comparing it to himself being 50 years old versus 80 years old. And he said, you know what? I've got my life back. I'm going to travel the world now, you know? And it just brought a tear to my eye that, you know, we can be all be inspired by that, that it's never too late to address the chronic illness that you may be experiencing. And there's always, you know, more and more things that you can be experiencing and being open to that, you know, the joys of life. And that was a really moving experience to hear someone who's at that age still recovering and moving forward with their lives. You know, that was pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. And recently, as you may know, we are treating long COVID, which is a real uh, public health emergency. It really is a secondary pandemic with, you know, millions of people around the world suffering from this. And there was a guy uh, that we treated that had, it was a marathon runner. He cycled 100 kilometers a day. And suddenly he's in his mid-50s. And he was on his sofa. You know, he literally couldn't get off the sofa. He was in bed a lot of the time, had to leave work. 
And it was a terrible time for him. Imagine someone that athletic suddenly not being able to engage in life. And he started our program. He didn't really have much faith in our program, but he just said, okay, let me just do this anyway. What's the harm? And within weeks, he started getting his health back. And within eight to 10 weeks, he was back to his running half marathons. And although we advised him not to, <laughs> because we said, take it slowly, uh, you know, and he was back to uh, cycling hundreds of kilometers a week and got his life back. And he was just, you know, incredibly grateful because we don't know about long COVID. You know, he thought, maybe I'm going to have this for the rest of my life. Maybe this is going to increase the chance of my mortality. We, you know, nobody knows, but he was just so grateful to get his life back. And we hear those kinds of stories, you know, um, every day. And especially in the area of mold illness as well, because with mold illness, it can be very tricky to treat. You know, it can really uh, reduce your ability to just be out in the world and meet people. And people are able to use our program for those external triggers as well. Well, what, what symptomology of, of long COVID were you targeting with this gentleman? He had the usual symptoms, so breathlessness, extreme exhaustion, and then the main symptom is post-exertional malaise. So that means the inability to exercise. And if you do do any kind of activity, even a mild activity, you'd feel worse for days, if not weeks afterwards. And post-exertional malaise is very unique to long COVID and also ME and chronic fatigue syndrome and, and fibromyalgia. And yeah, so those were the main symptoms he was experiencing. Also sore throats and coughs and occasional fever, uh, as well as gut issues as well. So some of those, those are co common symptoms. And gradually using the program, each of those symptoms just tailed off. It's like an area of health that's not addressed and, and you're, you're pulling it into, into the eye-opening space. And uh, I think it's great. I really do think it's great. You're, you're encapsulating so many things of holistic health that are kind of sporadically talked about. I think it's, I think it's a wonderful mm -hmm. program. If people wanted to find out more about the program, if they were interested in taking your course, where would they look? So they can go to our website, which is guptaprogram.com, G-U-P-T-A program.com. And there they can sign up to our free trial. So they simply put their email address in and they'll get 28 days worth of videos, audios and patient experiences. So they can sample the program for themselves, see if it's right for them. And then if they choose to purchase the program, uh, then the program currently is uh, $300. And the main thing is until we get the large randomized control trials, we offer a one-year money-back guarantee on the program. No questions asked. So people can try it, see if it's right for them. If it doesn't help them, we don't ask any questions. You can return it, get your money back, and use that money for, for you know, another, another treatment. And once you get access to the program, then as I said, you get online access to all the videos, to all the audios. We also have a very supportive forum with thousands of people also recovering from chronic illness. So you're part of a community that's healing together, which I think is very, very important. As you know, Kathy, with, with the, I'm sure you work with cancer patients in the community healing field. And it's very important to be, to be in a healing space with others who understand your plight. So that's a really important part of the program as well. And then we have weekly webinars. So if people don't feel like they're on their own, I will answer questions every week and, and really hold people's hands as they go on this healing journey. Wonderful. And everybody, Gupta has uh, generously given us a, a discount code. Maybe you could explain that. Sure. So the, uh, the, the discount code, if they type in Health Hub, uh, so the program is normally uh, $350, but if you use the 
code HEALTHHUB, then that will bring it down to uh, $300. So it'll give you a 15% uh, discount. And that's all you have to do when you get to the payment page. Wonderful. That's a, just a wonderful gift for our listeners. Thank you so much for doing it. It's very generous. It's been wonderful talking with you, Ashok, and, and a great uh, dive into just how the holistic world can really complement um, any treatments that people are, are going through. So everybody, I really do, you know, there's so much there on the website that you can look at that's free, that you can, you know, get a real sense and a real taste of, of what you're buying before you jump in. And I do, do, do encourage you to go to the website. It's wonderful. Ashok, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much, Kathy. Much appreciated. It's great to be here. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.